on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash. Let the confidence last. Game on. Weeknights from 6. On 2FM. Well, a big thanks to Afric and to Andrew for driving us through the afternoon. It is Thursday, January 18th. I'm Shane Dawson and you are listening to Game On. Coming up between now and 7pm, Shane McGrath joins us to preview Sunday's All-Ireland Club hurling final between Kilkenny's Lachlan Gales and Galway St. Thomas. Sticking with weekend previews, we're looking forward to the Basketball National Cup finals and chat to Father Matthews, Shannon Brady and Ballon Colleagues, Keelan Kearns will both be competing in their respective finals at the National Basketball Arena. Journalist Miguel Delaney tells us why players are now looking to leave Saudi Arabia after signing lucrative club deals. And Jeff Shepard has the latest NFL news. As always, if you want to have your say, you can send us a message. 51552 or WhatsApp 087187 9200. Game on on 2FM. You're very welcome along to Game On um, News Headlines today. Not good news for the Irish women's hockey side. They've lost their Olympic qualifying tournament semi-final to Spain following a penalty shootout. The game finished goalless at the end of normal time and went to penalties with Spain winning 3-0. However, all is not lost for the Ireland squad. There is a bronze medal playoff tomorrow at half two against Britain who were defeated uh, by Belgium in today's second semi-final. So make or break tomorrow for the girls uh, in green. Speaking of the girls in green, Gabby Lewis scored an unbeaten half century as Ireland cruised to a crush 10 wicket victory away to Zimbabwe in their rain affected first women's one day international rain played a part all day as the game was cut from 46 overs to 44 before heavy rainfall made it a 21 over shootout after Zimbabwe's innings and the Duckworth Lewis Stern revised target of 109 was chased down with ease by Ireland openers Amy Hunter and Gabby Lewis with more than 7 overs to spare now, I did mention at the start uh, that we will be previewing the basketball uh, because the Insure My House study Pat Duffy National Cup is on this Saturday at 8pm while the Potty O'Connor Cup is on Sunday at half five all at the National Basketball Arena. There are still some tickets left which can be bought by going to ireland.basketball forward slash tickets. However, we here at Game On have a pair of tickets to give away for each final. So... To be in with a chance to win, simply answer the following question. Where will these National Cup finals take place? Is it A, the National Basketball Arena, or is it B, Madison Square Garden? Simply text your name, your answer, email address, and which final you'd like tickets for to 51552. As always, RTE competition terms and conditions apply. See 2FM.ie for details. Game on. Football. But it is time uh, to chat football and I'm delighted to say that Chief Football Writer with the Independent uh, Miguel Delaney joins us uh, on the line. Uh, Miguel, thanks so much uh, for taking uh, the call. Uh, listen, only one place to start uh, and that is England midfielder Jordan Henderson is close to joining Ajax in a permanent move with his contract at Saudi club El Etifak said to be terminated. Preparations are being made for his arrival in Amsterdam but no deal has yet been concluded. The 33-year-old midfielder signed a three-year contract worth a reported £700,000 a week with the Saudi club uh, when he left Liverpool in a £12 million deal in July. However, reports have suggested he is unhappy and wants to return uh, to Europe. I know you have uh, an article on the Independent kind of uh, with a bit more detail detail on this but to sum it up the grass isn't always greener I think Miguel No and I think maybe this I mean there are so many ironies to this story one of them being that given what Ajax represent in the history of football you know, four European Cups uh, the birth of, of total football Johan Cruyff had Henderson made this move back in July 
which wouldn't have been expected because it isn't the sort of move that high-profile English players in their 30s make when they leave the Premier League, partly because of how the market's gone and money. But had he made the decision back then, it probably would have added to what was at that point uh, a really, really good reputation. You know, someone who was socially conscious, uh, someone who stood up for causes, someone who appeared to have the, you know, believed in the right spirit of the game, as would have been reflected maybe by um, not taking the money elsewhere and going to the romantic choice of Ajax. But of course, absolutely none of that applies because back in July, he, I suppose, essentially decided to shred his reputation, especially as someone who stood up for social causes and particularly someone who'd um, you know, been one of the most identifiable players with the LGBTQ uh, community for the, for the way he wore the rainbow armband, for the way he spoke about it, uh, by taking the decision to go to Saudi Arabia. And that was almost made all the worse by a series of interviews he gave afterwards where it was as if, it was almost as if he just couldn't accept that the discussion around him was different. Uh, and what, he, what made even that worse, I mean, as you've mentioned it there, like, <laughs> the, the obvious response to anyone going to Saudi Arabia or the Saudi Pro League is they're doing it for the money mm. because the figures are so high. Um, and now, he, he wouldn't even really acknowledge that in his interviews. He tried to paint it as something else, and that, that, that just made it worse. I think people probably would have, or maybe the damage to his reputation wouldn't have been so bad if uh, if he kind of, I suppose, you know, had, he said that the money was a huge factor. And what's happened at the end of all that? Well, A, he hasn't even got the money because of because he's essentially, in order to end his contract early to go to Ajax, it's meant he's not getting paid. And I mean, and that puts a different spin. I mean, I remember one of the justifications from people defending Henderson at the time was, well, oh, th- this is life-changing money he's getting in Saudi Arabia. Uh, which is kind of, I mean, first of all, I suppose when, you, when you're a footballer who's been at the, at the height of the Premier League and it's, and it's a kind of financial golden era in terms of how much players have played, he was going to have a very comfortable life. And so comfortable, in fact, that for all the talk of life-changing money, um, he, was, he was now able to live for a few months and play for a few months without actually getting paid. Um, and yeah, and then, and then he goes to Ajax uh, with, with his reputation shredded. So was it all for that? It's it really it must go down in terms of an individual career as one of the worst missteps in <laughs> in modern football history. But I suppose to be fair, that in itself. I mean, of course, it's it's easy to chastise Anderson and people who seem to be enjoying doing it because there's so much Schadenfreude about it. But uh, it probably does speak to maybe the way that um, players are advised on this about how Saudi Arabia and even the general topic of of sports washing and the encroachment of of autocratic states into the game is being discussed within the sport itself. Will this be a wake-up call for for other footballers? Because it's not only Henderson. uh, Kareem Benzema looks like he's going to be on the move for Mino um, as well. So so kind of big names here. Now, I know that the Saudi Pro League bosses are are understood not to be concerned by Henderson's uh, impending exit uh, from the league. So it doesn't seem that Saudi... The, the Saudi officials are concerned but other footballers mightn't now want to go because they can see that even it's the lifestyle and everything else it's not just you moving but you're moving your family your wife your kids as well Now the story a lot of families apparently aren't going and also where it's possible a lot of players are actually living in Bahrain because that is uh, seen I, don't, like, I suppose it's more, it's more permissive they can live something closer to a western lifestyle in fact I think Henderson himself was living in Bahrain but I'm not 100% sure on that um, and I suppose what that does, though, what these decisions do, for all that the, the Saudi Pro League are naturally going to say, 
they're not too concerned about it and they want to keep good relations in that regard. I suppose it checks the kind of um, the momentum that the Saudi Pro League has. You know, it, from last summer, it was rightly seen as one of the most disruptive forces in football. And there was all this kind of, I suppose, because generally in football, money does talk. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons Henderson was there. That's one of the reasons Manchester City are the current champions of Europe. While, while Newcastle, for all their issues with um, profit and sustainability rules, are on the upward trajectory. You know, why Paris Saint-Germain have rendered the French League a joke. Oh, this, this sort of money is distorting football. But I suppose it shows there are limits to that. Uh, and also, maybe, I mean, because one of the stories I heard, when, it, when Henderson was with the English national team over the past few breaks, you know, players were almost queuing up to ask him what it was like in the view of, well, I mean, this might be a good payday for us. Mm. Um, so I suppose that the momentum from that say is going to be checked, and it it won't necessarily be seen as that attractive a destination. Despite the money, it will still attract players because of that. But it does raise bigger questions, and and also uh, much bigger questions for the game itself because we're now a decade away from Saudi Arabia putting on a forty-eight team World Cup, and I mean for that World Cup, I mean without I suppose looking at it too much from a Western perspective. But ultimately, the, the success of, of any World Cup, do, I mean, it is dependent on its legacy, how half the world feels about it, which means it has to be a certain, it has to be Western facing to a certain way, especially with, given the fact that's where a lot of fans will come from. And it does feel like, you say, Saudi Arabia has a much bigger job than Qatar did in the 12 years Qatar had before they hosted the World Cup. There's, there's a lot to be done. I, I think actually this... You know, given the immediate dissatisfaction of so many players there, it does actually it poses a few awkward questions for FIFA to go at those that are already there about you know the, the human rights and sports washing aspect of Saudi hosting a World Cup. I do want to pick your brain on, on kind of that football culture war, but just on the Saudi Arabian Pro League, like I think it's ninety four signings, seven hundred and fifty million pound spending spree last summer. Now, not too long ago, off the top of my head, we had the likes of Eto and Roberto Carlos over with Anzi in, in Russia, and then there was the kind of China um enticing Oscar and the likes over there. Is there a bit more of a permanency to, to players moving to Saudi Arabia, or might we see more players leave? The, the, the pro league well I mean so the way everyone's been speaking within football over the past few months is that this does have more sustenance than Russia and China and there were two very different things there I mean in, in Russia say I mean I suppose there's the volatility of the internal economy and also the way say Russia's rules on foreign players and even players leaving meant the Russian league was never I suppose what it could have been long before the invasion there was a period it was held up as maybe a competitor a real competitor in, in a Champions League level. Similarly, China, that was initially, you know, a state top-down project, but they realised it just, you know, the, the league wasn't working for that, from that perspective, wasn't having the benefits they thought. And also, I think, to be fair, it was seen as much more, in terms of its infrastructure, much more superficial than what uh, Saudi Arabia trying. Because, of course, you know, as a lot of people have discussed over the past two years now or so, you know, th- this is a huge sports-wide project for Saudi Arabia. Uh, and 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 just having the World Cup as well gives a different dimension to it. So I mean, the word is they will keep investing. That they they are you know they've hired all sorts of personnel with experience in in Western European football to try and change what what happens on the ground for football in Saudi Arabia. So it will continue. They've got bigger plans. I mean, you know, one huge undercurrent to this, especially all, like 
I mean, there's an ongoing battle now between FIFA and UEFA that is essentially about the future of club football because that's where most of the money is. Uh, you know, and, and this swirls around the Champions League. And what's happening now where FIFA, in yet another kind of tension about the global calendar, where players are playing so many games, it's the calendar really where the money is created. FIFA are going to insert this expanded Club World Cup into the calendar from 2025, the first one taking place in America. And who are major pushers of that as part of this growing alliance with FIFA president Gianni Infantino? Well, it's, uh, it's Saudi Arabia. And that's because they would see an expanded Club World Cup that their clubs can be in as a competitor to the Champions League. And, and that could have all sorts of destabilising effects on football because you know, for, e- even if the long-term ambition there is to challenge Western Europe, because of the because of the holes that the big Western European clubs have on global football, they need to be paid a lot to attract them to get these into the, into these competitions in the first place. So then you're talking about you know potential fees of eighty million. That was that was when when the SoftBank deal was announced for an earlier idea of the Club World Cup four years ago. That's just, that's the sort of money they were talking about. That's what they need to like to, to attract the best squads, especially in, in a summer. And th- and that could have a huge destabilising effect for football. So this is, I mean. I mean, football, I suppose, partly because of lax regulation that's, that's actually come up in, in different forms now, say, with all the debate about Everton and profit and sustainability rules. But because of, you know, really, football authorities have failed over the past decade, longer, really. And it's, it's let in all sorts of interests with very little control. And we're seeing a game that, I mean, there's almost a contradiction here. I mean, that's booming in, in global popularity, but precisely because it is booming in global popularity, that attracts even more interests who want to use the game for their own ends. And it's not necessarily taking the sport to a good place. Well, it certainly seems like the football culture war between the West and the Global South uh, is deepening. Uh, For now, we're going to have to leave it there. Miguel Delaney, Chief Football Writer with The Independent. Thank you very much uh, for taking the call and joining us here on Game On 2 FM. We are going to be turning our attention to uh, hurling Uh, after the break. We'll be previewing the AIB All-Ireland Club hurling final in the company of Shane McGrath. Game on on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men 72-hour advanced deodorant. Tough on sweat, not on skin. Game on. Hurling. Now, before we chat hurling with uh, Shane McGrath, some Gaelic Games news, and that is Monaghan goalkeeper Rory Began is one of three GAA players among the 16 participants in this year's NFL International Player Pathway. He is joined by Mark Jackson of Wicklow and Downs Charlie Smith, while Daryl Leader, the former fullback with Connacht Rugby, uh, makes up the fourth uh, Irishman uh, on that list. So it is, uh, has been confirmed anyway. Uh, that uh, Began Jackson Smith uh, and indeed Dara Leader will be uh, hoping to uh, create uh, an NFL uh, career for themselves. However, we are chatting hurling. Uh, Shane McGrath joins me now. Uh, we're looking forward to the uh, club hurling final on uh, Sunday. Half one throw in a Crow Park. Kilkenny's O'Loughlin Gales against Galway St. Thomas. Uh, Shane, let us just dive straight in. This is going to be a cracking match. One, I suspect that there is not going to be uh, much to separate either side at the end of the match. No, I couldn't see it, Shane. Like I suppose they've they've both kind of beaten who who we all thought maybe was going to be in the final from the start of the year. I suppose it like anyone who said they weren't thinking Belly Gun or our Belly Hale mm. were going to be in this final, I suppose it would have been very hard to foresee. But I mean, we've seen the intensity that Thomas has brought um in the game against Belly Gunner. You know, O'Loughlin's came over Belly Hale in, in, in the Kilkenny County final and you know, they've had a tough route since uh, coming through Leinster, beating the Fina and the Leinster final, and the last day, that just 
that unbelievable weekend, Shane. I suppose the club hurling, wasn't it? Like with, mm. with the Bally Gunner, Thomas's game on the Saturday night in Port Leash, and then we had the unbelievable game between um, Auckland's and Cushendall. And like, so they both really have been tested and come through big tests in the semi finals. So, but as you said, it's very hard to se- separate them. Like, I mean, I'm looking at defensively from O'Loughlin's, right? Like, O'Loughlin's currently have half of the Kilkenny inter county backs, like in Hugh Lawler, or Mikey Butler, and Paddy Deegan. And, you know, when you're, when, when you're trying to set up, and as I said, a forward, and you're looking at the three of those, you're trying to say, right, we mightn't get much change out of three of them. What are we going to get off the other three defenders? But, like, I think what people need to realise is, on the Thomas's and the Lachlan side, Shane, the majority of these lads have played inter, have played inter county, be it at minor, under twenty, under twenty one, or senior level. Like so, you know they would have played serious levels at schools, hurling, colleges as well. So, like there's the wealth of talent on both sides. But as you said, very very hard to separate them. I I, I believe the weather forecast is going to be a bit warmer, but at the same time it's supposed to be very wet and windy. So that might be kind of a leveler for both teams as well, Shane. Like, but yeah, it's it's, it's a hard one to call, all right? You talk about the tough runs, even looking at um, O'Loughlin, I mean, they played Mullivat in the quarterfinal Kilkenny Championship, which is extremely tough in itself in, in Thomastown. Seven or eight points down, terrible conditions that might be similar conditions at the weekend, battle back to win the game by, by three or four points. They then went on to win by a single point in the, the semi-final, the Leinster final, and then a Kilkenny final against Ballyhale. So that, that mental resilience is, is, is incredible from, from Brian Hogan's side. Yeah, it's massive. And you just mentioned like Brian Hogan there, I suppose. The respect he'd have within O'Loughlin's and obviously outside O'Loughlin's for what he did with his club and with Kilkenny for so long as well. But I was just reading about, about Mark Bergen actually as well, Shane. Another guy is Lachlan's captain. He's mm. he's one of two lads that are still there from the from the Ireland club final they got to 13 years ago when you know they got a bit of a beating off Claren Bridge. Like. But it, an interesting fact, I suppose, for a Kilkenny club team, uh, Mark Bergen... Uh, I'm fairly sure on this now, but you might have a few people like ringing in. <laughs> He's the only one who has an All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship medal, uh, Mark Bergen. Which you know, for a club like Lachlan's, you know, who've produced some some brilliant hurlers down through the years, it's you know, I, I suppose. He, he's he's coming towards maybe the end of his career such maybe he's only 34 now or 35 I believe in uh, soon but you know he, he was just talking about how much it means to him and how much he appreciates it like um, compared to before but I, he just kind of epitomises for me you know you talk about that resilience that heart that never say die attitude I suppose Mark Bergen being the captain he's he's been probably potentially been their, their their best player you know maybe uh, so far in the championship but yeah you know they've they've come through some seriously seriously uh, tough battles and like even Paddy Deegan there like it's funny I was reading that the last time he played an all Ireland final in Crow Park he, he literally broke the net like for Kilkenny <laughs> against Limerick so I, I just think even like say there's going to be a good few matchups around the field Shane like say I take Mikey Butler he's probably going to end up marking James Regan both inter-county guys or James Regan former inter-county Hugh Lawler's probably going to end up picking up Aina Burke uh, Mark Bergen's probably going to end up marking Shane Cooney maybe at some stage but I just think I think that the, the matchup that, that could determine a lot of it is actually Paddy Deegan and Conor Cooney because like Conor Cooney I was just reading it through there he's averaging I think 10-11 points a game for um for the club like he's he's played a real leader's role as well but like say if he pushes back the field Shane which he kind of likes to sometimes to get on ball he's seen that against Belly Gunner and you invite Paddy Deegan up the field like he could he could pop off three four five points there like he did against Nafina um, in the Leinster final so I just think that's of of all the matchups around the field I think Paddy Deegan against Conor Cooney is, is going to be a, a brilliant matchup 
such potent threats uh, on both sides. I'm going to leave the most difficult question to last, and that is Shane McGrath, call it for me. How do you see this one going at the end of the day? Yeah, look, I tell you, I, I, I just think what Thomas has brought in the semi-final, I mean, a lot of us maybe from outside the Thomas's group or outside maybe even Galway hurling, I don't think we realised, first of all, tactically how well Kenny Burke had them set up, the intensity they brought, you know, Davy Burke now will be back, you know, he has a match under his belt, I'm sure he'll be starting. And I just think that what, if they can bring that intensity and, you know, obviously they have the hurlers, uh, I, I I just think Thomas's are, are going to edge this, but you know it, it'll it'll be very very close. But I'm going to go I'm going to go with Thomas's just to edge it, Shane. Well, no doubt there won't be much to separate them. Shane McGrath for now. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. Kilkenny's Lachlan Gales versus Galway St Thomas half one uh, on Sunday at Crow Park, uh, and Marie will be previewing Sunday's football final uh, on tomorrow evening's uh, game on. Stick with us here though this evening because we are chatting basketball next. Game on on Two FM, sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Seventy Two Hour Advanced Deodorant. Tough on sweat, not on skin. Now it is time to chat basketball because the Ensure My House Study National Cup Finals are taking place this weekend at the National Basketball Arena on Saturday. The Pat Duffy Cup Final takes place between Irish Guide Dogs, Ballincollega MTU and UCC Demons. While on Sunday evening, Gurren Braher, Credit Union, Brunel face Catalyst Fodder Matthews in the Paddy O'Connor National Cup Final with both games live on TG Carr. And I'm delighted to say, joining us on the line um, are Shannon Brady from Catalyst Fodder Matthews and Keelan Kearns, who represents uh, Ballon Colic, who are playing in their respective cup finals uh, this weekend. So first and foremost, uh, Shannon and Keelan, massive congratulations on uh, getting to a national cup final. But also, more importantly, some might say, massive congratulations um, on getting engaged to each other over the Christmas uh, period. Shannon, uh, if I come to you first, um, yeah. a, a great uh, a great occasion. Um, was there any basketball-themed proposal um, included in this? <laughs> yes, it was very exciting. Um, but I've been telling most people there was actually kind of a lack of basketball in the engagement because Keelan is normally always in basketball shorts year-round, even through the winter, and he actually put on a collared shirt um, and pants for the proposal walk. So it, it was kind of a giveaway in that regard. <laughs> You gave the game away too early. You need to be playing the long game here, Keelan, by, you know, just kind of slowly working in the, the different attire, I'd assume. Yeah, last couple of months, I, sh- I should have tied on a few more shirts, a few more uh, <laughs> dates and dinners maybe, but no, I'm 24-7 in shorts, so uh, yeah, it was a dead giveaway. Keelan, tell me this. Is it good kind of having that reliable kind of person at home that that knows basketball inside out that you can kind of bounce off or is it a case of blocking out the kind of work blocking out the basketball and, and focusing on other things at home I mean I'd say it's a bit of both at times um, obviously we have our training schedule and we're actually off schedule each night so Monday through Friday we're kind of on off on off so it works out life wise you know who's on the dinners and stuff but I actually think it helps with the basketball we, we get to we get to like you know talk about certain things like our ideas on stuff, and we also because we're in team sports our whole life, we know when to to bring things up and when not to bring things up, and uh, criticize and kind of comment, compliment performances, that type of thing. Balance is key, I feel, Shannon. It is, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, come here, judging by the the accent, uh, Shannon, uh, I'm right in saying you moved to Ireland from the USA to play basketball as part of the Sport Changes Life program, which gives college and sport playing opportunities uh, to basketballers. You might tell our listeners a bit about that. Yeah, definitely. So I guess I came over to Ireland in 2017, like you said, 
Um, as far as the Sport Changes Life program, for me, it just kind of it ticked all the boxes. Like it was the opportunity to continue my playing career, which not a lot of people get, but also to further my education and get my master's. And then there was a lot of great like community outreach and coaching involved, um, as well as travel, because at that point in time, I hadn't left the U.S. Um, in my lifetime. So it was really, really exciting and felt like a dream opportunity for me. Um, and to be honest, I thought it would just be a one-year stint, and I think all my family and friends thought so too. Um, but I was enjoying myself so much, and I actually ended my first season um, up to Dublin with the Meteors um, in a final against Father Matthews. At that time, both of us were in the National League. Um, ended up losing to Father Matthews and then getting recruited by them to come down to Cork to play for another year. Um, and within those, those first three months as well, Myself and Keelan actually met at, at the Varsity's college basketball tournament. So it, it was a combination of, of love and basketball that, that has kept me here for so long, you could say. Perfect timing. And Keelan, you obviously made Cork your home coming from, from Belfast. I did, yeah. I made the move uh, three three years ago, um, obviously, to be, be with Shannon. Uh, like she said, we met her, her last year up in Trinity uh, when I was doing a Masters also, so at the basketball tournament at the end of uh, our college uh, master's degrees. And then um, she moved on to Father Matthews and I actually moved myself over to Italy to continue playing basketball. So uh, it was an interesting first year together. But uh, once uh, I came back from that, yeah, I made the move down to Cork. Um, I figured if she could move across the ocean, I could move down, down a few counties, you know. <laughs> The least you can do, Caleb. The least you can do. The least I can do. Listen, I, I mean it in all sincerity. Uh, massive congratulations on that, but massive congratulations on, on reaching the final. So let's talk uh, basketball. Um, Shannon, if I come back to yourself, uh, Father Matthews, mm. uh, as I mentioned, uh, facing Brunel. Um, what's the overriding emotion heading into the weekend, really, for yourself? Uh, the emotion for me at this point is just excitement really like you know as you mentioned it's been a really exciting last few weeks for us between the engagement and and celebrating with our family and friends but also from a basketball perspective I mean coming off the semi-final weekend where you know our team had a huge win maybe coming in as the underdogs and then you know getting to watch Keelan's team win and I'm sure he'll get to his his game winning shot moment but getting to watch that too um the emotions have just been really high it's 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 a lot of fun and for both of us it's our first time competing in a cup final so I know for me having been with Matthews for the last you know four years it means that much more because you know the club is like a family to me at this point and you know to be able to compete with them in a moment like this is really special You're sixth in the misquote.e Super League uh, table at the mm. moment um, like it, it is a bit cliche but does form go out the window when you're in a final but not only in a final but in, in a Cork Derby of a final as well yeah yeah I definitely I definitely think it does you know at the end of the day it's it's one game it's not like you have to you have to come out at the top of the table it's just whoever competes the best of the night and I think that's the most exciting part um, you know all the credit to Brunel they're a great team they compete hard and, and that's why they're at the top of the table right now but, you know, in our last clash with them, we lost by one point on free throws. So I think it's kind of a testament to the fact that, you know, both teams are, are in it to win it. And I think it's just going to be an absolute battle, which is really exciting. How influential has the addition of, of your coach, Pat Price, uh, been and, and his coaching team this year overall? Yeah, it's it's been super influential. You know, for me, like 
Pat is, uh, is obviously has the the American background too. So personally, I find you know I can relate to a lot of his coaching styles, um, tactics, and kind of the way he talks about the game as well. Um, I always tell everyone I think we just have an amazing foundation in our team of experience, um, experienced players and new players as well. Like you know, having Neve Dwyer as a coach the last few years. She's someone who I look up to so much both on and off the court, and I think she's responsible for helping us to build that foundation, you know, along with other people who have, you know, who have been playing with the club for years. But I think, you know, anybody will tell you, as much as you want Neve as your coach, you want her as your teammate even more because she's such a competitor. So having her as a voice on the court and then having Pat as a voice on the sidelines, I think has just made us that much more dangerous um, as a unit. So it's been a really great addition. In, in terms of, of tactics, Shannon, I know you defeated uh, Liffey Celtics in the semi-final and, and kind of mm. had Price and, and his management team kind of conjured up this this plan to, to overcome their 1-3-1 defence on, on that occasion. So similar kind of plans, I'm sure, are in place. So how will you approach this tactically? Yeah, I think tactically, like two of the big keys that we've been focus on, focusing on the last few games and this whole season, really, like the first is our defense. I think any team that, you know, is going to play good defense in this league, you know, has a chance to have a huge impact. And for us, improving defensively and, you know, putting it all on the line for every 50-50 ball and having a lot of pride in our defense and, and our different styles of defense that we can bring um, has been a game changer for us. And then we've had this kind of theme of this sense of this sense of urgency that Pat talks about a lot, you know, being urgent in the moment and knowing that like, you know, we can't afford to take any plays off, any hustle plays off, you know, 50, 50 balls, things like that. Just being really um, ambitious and urgent about, about our goals. And I think those two things have been our driving force over the last number of weeks and is a huge reason why we've seen improvement and you know, has brought us to this point. Well, it should be a cracker of a final. Um, also should be a cracker of a final on the men's side of uh, things, Keelan. And again, just so it happens, it's a Cork derby as well, which just adds fuel to the fire. Oh, yeah. it's uh, they're, they're always fiery affairs, uh, whether they're first game of the season, last game of the season, or a cup final, like we, uh, we have this week. Um, they, that's one thing I, I knew coming down to Cork, was that the basketball down here is kind of, kind of the heartland of the basketball is, is Cork like uh, to be honest in Ireland uh, Belfast we have the one team Belfast Stardice to play for and uh, it, we, we were in for trouble no matter how good our league record was we were in for trouble every time we came down to Cork we were in for a battle and uh, Demons kind of are the best representation of that their, their league record is no reflection of how good of a team they are um, they've beaten the two the teams of the in both conferences with the best records this league on the on their path to the final so I know we're we're getting a battle. That's for sure. Yeah, their league records. Um, what is it? It's it's three and eight. Well, your own team mm-hmm. nine and three. You're two and one against um, your opponents in, in the last two Super League campaigns. So so the form book would say. Now I know I've kind of said that it goes out the window in a cup final. That yeah. you would be favourites going into it. So uh, how do you ensure complacency does doesn't become an issue? Oh no, we're we're, we're definitely not complacent. We we. We, we see the talent that Demons have and uh, yeah, we'd say they've underperformed in the league but uh, like I said before there, they've shown their true colours in the cup and uh, obviously we, we know some of the players and some of the great recruits that they've brought, brought in to are just great additions to the team and to the league as a whole. Like, 
we, we know we're getting a battle. We, we've seen them beat the likes of Murray in Neptune Stadium. We, we saw them beat uh, an undefeated Belfast star earlier in, uh, I think it was the quarterfinals, maybe. Mm. And uh, they're, they're a serious unit. And uh, we're, we're kind of focusing on that rather than their league record. We don't, we don't think that represents the team they are. Well, one big player for, for uh, your opponents is Elijah Tillman. And he has been key to UCC Demons' success thus far. Is it too simplistic to say Suffolk Tillman and, and Yuzar Grand, or how wary are you of their offence overall? Oh yeah, we're, we're very we're very aware of Tillman. Like he's he's a great player. Obviously, he came in late the season there, but uh, you know you can, you just have to look at his highlights or even his last couple of weeks performance wise. He, he's 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 an issue. He's a problem. But uh, you can't just focus on one man. You got the likes of Seven Foods there. He has a great record, a great pedigree, and then you've got former Irish captain Kyle Hosford, Hannigan Twins, Dave Lahan, James Beck and the talent, like the, the list goes on. They're, they're, they're a deep team full of talent. And uh, so I think the focus on one might do the rest of the guys an injustice and leave us for a nasty surprise there. So uh, we're, we're keeping an eye on everyone, I'd say. I think fight is probably the correct word to describe um, your path <laughs> to the final. So um, you guys required three free throws in the final 30 seconds to edge past Temple Oak 95-92 in the opening round before 30 points from Shondale Jones Jr. guided ye uh, past uh, Ulster University 95-89 in the quarterfinals. And then, then we get to the semi-final, which, I don't know, I, I'm still catching my breath from watching <laughs> watching the highlights of, of, of that one. Um, and for you personally, what a... What a moment! Uh, what a performance as well. Like, how much confidence does that give you? I, like the, the shot itself gives great confidence. It's it's the moment. It's the, the packed out Neptune Stadium. It's your fans going crazy. Is what is what gives you the confidence. Seeing everyone's reactions and like running towards you. It's, it's a great moment for me personally and something I'll remember. But uh, I, I guess in the moment itself, you, you don't think of that. You know, like I, instincts took over you. My my goal was to get the ball and shoot it before the clock went up. Um, that was like that was it in the moment. But obviously, it's nice to look back on now, and obviously, it's a very important one. Um, get us into the final. But uh, I think, like you said, our, our record in the cup has kind of been the reverse of demons. Uh, we, we have battled, we battled against teams with maybe worse records from the very beginning, and uh, it's something we're, we're aware of, we're working on. So, like, it's the one-off games are the most important. There's there's no second chances here. How much will that tough run to the final stand to you as a group? Well, I think uh, I think it will do us a, a world of good. Like uh, I think for this team, have been fairly consistent player wise the last couple of years, and we, we've had our great runs. We went fifteen a month two three years ago, and then we we we, uh, we fizzled out in the playoffs. So we're aware that um, we need to show up at the right moment. So I think getting through those tough battles really really helps the character. The team really knows. Uh, we can trust each other at the end. We, we, we rely on each other and uh, I think that's what's going to get us through tough games. Keelan, you played down the, the big moment against Tralee in the semi-final so I have to give the last word to Shannon. Shannon, does he still talk about it at home? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that video got, you know, <laughs> more plays in a week of our apartment than anything ever. But to be fair, um, it was an amazing moment. I myself was having a bit of a heart attack in the sidelines in the last few moments. And there's some, some angles of the video, you can see me jumping up and down. Um, but like to give credit to Keelan, he's, he's always a really calm, collected, confident player. And so, um, and I will always tell people, you know, he's, he's dangerous from the three point line, but he's dangerous as a shooter in general. So, 
when the shot went up, I had confidence, but um, to see it go in was, was amazing and I was delighted for him. Well, listen, here's hoping for many more uh, amazing moments uh, this weekend. It should be two cracking finals uh, and generally wish you uh, the both the very best of luck. Thank you so much. Game on. Eye on America. Now we are going to finish uh, this evening's show on American football. And as always, over Thursday, Jeff Shepard joins me on the line. Shep, let us begin uh, with reviewing uh, wildcard weekend uh, defeats. Uh, well, big defeats for Eagles, Cowboys, and the Dolphins. Probably one of the biggest stories out of the weekend was that the Dallas Cowboys have collapsed <laughs> yet again in the playoffs. Yes, they have. First off, Shane, can I suggest. When we when we get to the movie about that couple's <laughs> romance, can we call it? We, can we call it? You Euro stepped into my heart, or something like that. You know, absolutely, uh, th- absolutely. That would be, that would be wonderful. I would watch that. You know, love behind the three point line, something like that. I just, you know. But anyway, so um, yeah, yeah. You know, Dallas. They didn't love what happened last weekend. Uh, just absolutely terrible. They they play the Green Bay Packers. Um, in the playoffs. And, you know, it, it was really interesting, Shane. Dallas had an opportunity to get off the field on the opening possession of the game, and they had a penalty called on them, and it was warranted. And Green Bay marched down the field and scored a touchdown, and, and it was just kind of over after that. Uh, Dax throwing pick sixes, Jordan Love, uh, a, a, a near-perfect performance out of the quarterback position. Um, which was really interesting, Shane. You know, he has been, um, I don't know, struggling, but something has kind of clicked this year. And look, it comes with experience and it comes with reps where, you know, there were some questions about whether or not he could be the next guy. You know, you, you go from Brett Favre, you go to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the, the Packers have had pretty obviously steady play at a quarterback for the better part of two and a half decades. And now they're wondering, okay, is, is Jordan Love, can he be the guy? And he certainly played like it last week. And, you know, now they're going to go out to San Francisco this weekend as the, as the first seven seed to win an NFL playoff game. But just phenomenal. But, you know, again, as you mentioned, the Cowboys and another lackluster playoff performance, another embarrassing postseason exit. That's the story. And it's so, you know, midway through the game, Shane, you know, everyone's on, you know, all over Twitter and, and just talking about, uh, well, Bill Belichick may be there to coach, you know, the second half, mm. um, you know, but but Jerry Jones kind of, you know, shocks everyone and announces that he's bringing Mike McCarthy back. He, he said he was kind of stunned and dumbfounded after the game. He was I think the word he said was floored at just how poorly they played. And then, for, you know, less than 48 hours later, he's like, yeah, we're bringing it back. We're going to run it back again. Dak and, and Mike McCarthy and everybody's going to come back. So uh, kind of surprising there. But, you know, since they won those Super Bowls in the early 90s, they have just been, I mean, the definition of futility in the postseason. Is, is it the right decision? Does he deserve another shot at that? I know we've been talking a lot about kind of the movements of, of coaches, but but should, in your opinion, you know, McCarthy stay with the Cowboys? So, so Shane, this is kind of what it comes down to, and this is just, you know, my opinion, obviously. I, I just don't know what's going to change with his A, personality, or B, his approach to kind of how he coaches that's going to get them the the, what they want, I mean, what they're looking for, make it to the NFC championship game, make it into, you know, the Super Bowl. You can't have more talent. You can't spend more money. You can't have a better facility. You can't have more fans than the Dallas Cowboys do. And it just ain't working. Like, it's just not, you know, and, and coaches are, unfor- I mean, it's hard to, you know, 
I guess, reroute the ship. But it's easier than changing general managers or changing a franchise quarterback and the wide receivers that you have. I mean, overhauling the offensive line. If you make a change at the top and you keep a lot of the same weapons that you have, theoretically, it should go easier. You know, mm. I mean, Bill Belichick's Bill Belichick's problem the last couple of years it, and Mike Vrabel's problem, the guy who got fired from Tennessee, is they've not had a quarterback. Well, you've got a quarterback in Dallas. I mean, that, that's where it starts and ends in the NFL. And so you'd think it would be an easier fix, but they're going to they're gonna keep everybody there. Is there going to be frustration then from the fans towards oh, perhaps yeah, oh, Mike McCarthy, uh, but also Jerry Jones? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I you know, he, he had this reputation for the longest time. And I think he still kind of does as being, you know, a meddling owner for, for lack of a better term. You know, I mean, he was, you know, very active. You know, you'd see him in post-game press conferences and he's doing interviews. And it's like, man, this, you know, it's not your turn. But he would still do it anyway. And, you know, of all the times where you thought he would make a move and then that B, that that move would be justified, it, this was kind of it. I mean, they were the two seed. They have been playing phenomenal football over the last eight weeks as the Eagles were going in the other direction. Well-deserved being the two seed. I mean, they did not have an easy schedule. And then they just come and lay an egg in the postseason. And, and again, Shane, this is not the first time that this has happened with this regime and this group of players. It's kind of happened again. And so that that's kind of why everybody was thinking something was going to change here. So concern for the Cowboys. Uh, no concern for the Lions. Dan Campbell leading the Lions. Oh, my first playoff win in 32 years. Yeah, I mean, it was early 90s. I mean, we're going back to Pearl Jam and Nirvana when we're talking about the Lions. Go back know, to proper music is what you're saying. That's right. Yeah. Yes, that, Generation <laughs> X. You heard that out there, you millennials. There's real music. But so, yeah, you know, um, I, I mean, it's been a long time. And look, they played a tight game with the, the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, it was it was definitely the best game of the weekend. I mean, the, the rest of them were pretty much all kind of, you know, multi-score blowout wins. Um, but the Lions, you know, hang on for a nail biter. You know, there was a real high scoring first half, and then the defense is clamped down in the second half. Um, you know, Jared Goff gets a bit of revenge. Uh, Shane, he was the quarterback for the long a long time in Los Angeles. He's playing against Matthew Stafford, who was a you know twelve year starter, I believe, for the Lions. And the Rams traded for you know traded Goff away to get Matthew Stafford, and they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And now golf gets, you know, a little bit of revenge and then they get a little lucky. You know, I think you consider it luck. They, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Eagles on Monday. And so, you know, now you've got a, a, a not so great, you know, division champion in Tampa. But then again, you know, the Eagles were terrible over the last six weeks of the season and they played unbelievably poorly Monday night in that playoff game, really just never in it at all. No enthusiasm whatsoever. And so the Lions are going to host Tampa Bay, going to play them at home, you know, in Detroit's. Uh, this week and and quite honestly are you know big favorites to win and and you know likely going to be facing off against San Francisco unless Jordan Love pulls off some more magic we cannot review the wildcard weekend without mentioning the weather Shep now there's been a yes. couple of uh, preseason Gaelic games I think this evening the O'Byrne Cup Shield final Oof. has been postponed there's been a match in Munster move to the weekend however you're made of stern stuff over there <laughs> minus 25 in Kansas and, and Buffalo now the game was postponed for a day because the fans yeah. were paid to shovel snow out of the seats yeah Shane so like it was a public health situation in, in western New York I mean it, it, roads were impenetrable. I mean, you, you could not be outdoors. And so, you know, the, they 
wisely. I mean, look, I love a snow game, but I also don't like people dying in the stands, you know, so, mm. or, you know, in the parking lot or on the way to the stadium. So, you know, they pushed the game to Monday. Bills had no problem. Josh Allen, absolutely phenomenal against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Saturday night, uh, the, the Chiefs beat the Dolphins and the Dolphins just, you know, look, I mean, they go from Miami where it's probably, you know, 60, 65 degrees last week to two degrees with a negative 20 wind chill Saturday night to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and, and quite honestly, the team, the Chiefs team that everyone's been asking, you and I have talked about this several times this season, mm. where are they going to show up? Where's Patrick Mahomes? What's going on with Travis Kelsey? Why can't these receivers catch? Well, they showed up Saturday night, and they put it on the Miami Dolphins. And so now the Chiefs get to go play the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. This is the marquee game of the weekend. These guys have met several times in the playoffs the last couple of seasons, most famously several years ago in Kansas City, 13 seconds left. The Chiefs come down the field and get a touchdown uh, to force overtime and, and then win the game in overtime. Josh Allen's fired up for the Bills. Um, they are going to get to play this game at home. And look, you know, we, we can't mention the Chiefs without mentioning uh, the world's biggest power couple, right, Shane? You know, I, I saw that's passed a great me by. It's a, it's a millennial thing, right. Chef. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I did see a great line the other day. It said, "You know, she who will not be named." You know, she went on this big NFL stadium tour this past year. She did not go to Buffalo, and now she's going to go, and the Bills are going to beat the Chiefs and beat her boyfriend. And I believe that's what they call karma. Oh, I believe that's what they call Fairweather fans as well. That's yes. right, yeah. So, up, look, it's, 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 it's going to be cold. It I is. don't know if it's going to be snowing. It's going to be cold again. There's another whole Arctic blast thing happening. Look, Shane, I'm in the south, man. I'm in like four layers of clothes right now. This is ridiculous, okay? So I don't know how these people are doing it in New York. There must be polar bears everywhere up there because <laughs> this is ridiculous. Uh, on a serious note, how much is that affecting the outcome of the games? Because like you mentioned, the Dolphins coming yeah. from a warmer climate going to uh, uh, going to the Chiefs. Oh, look, Shane, they interviewed um, uh, <laughs> Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel at halftime of the game on Saturday night. And I felt so bad for him. His tongue was frozen. His brain was not like he could not make words like it was so they were so out of their element. You know, Um, it's going to be, you know, an outdoor game in San Francisco. It's an outdoor game in Baltimore where you've got the Texans who played phenomenally in their opening round game last week um, against the Bengals. I mean, they they were they were they were great. Um, And so. um you know, you've got um, – it's going to be cold there mm. as well on the East Coast. Yes, outdoor games, wind, potential snow. Um, you know, it's going to be – it will have impacts on these games. You know, it's like kicking a, a, a rock when you go to try to line up and kick a field goal or an extra point. It impacts the passes, you know, so um, – and then just the windy conditions as well. So it, it'll be um, it'll be good television to watch as always. A lot of external uh, factors at play. Um, listen, let's go through uh, the matches this weekend. I know you touched on the Chiefs at the Bills. Uh, who was going to, to win that, I suppose, then? Because you have teed it up nicely oh, for us. Yeah, well, thank you, Shane. I mean, look, I, I think the Bills have been the best, and I'll say hotter team, even though, you know, relatively speaking, it'll be negative 20 degrees. You know, they've been the better team the last couple of weeks. But, again, the Chiefs 
turned it on in a way that they have not really done this season in quite some time. I, I do think it's you know it's the marquee game of of the uh, of the weekend. You got to give the Bills a nod um, just because they're going to be at home. Look, the Chiefs are, they play outdoors, they play in cold weather, but this is you know the the Buffalo sits right on one of the Great Lakes, and the the wind is just different up there. Mm. Um, you know, it's kind of like whipping like, you know, right off the North pole. So, um, I, I do think weather is going to play a factor up in there, even if it's not snowing, it'll just be incredibly cold. And I, I just think, I think the bills wanted a little bit more, you know, they've been knocked out by the chiefs and, and the Bengals the last couple of seasons, they have an opportunity, you know, to set up a trip to Baltimore next weekend, you know, you know, and be one win away from a Super Bowl. So I, I just, I think Buffalo, I think I don't think it'll be tight. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I do think the Bills will win it. Okay, one word answers. Let's blitz the other matches. Texans at Ravens. Who's going to win? Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Then the NFC Divisional Round, at the Packers at the 49ers. Yeah, I think the Niners, they're the best team. They're the best team in the NFC. And then in the other game, I think the Lions with home field and you know, riding their momentum that they've got right now. They, they're, they're just fun to watch and, and, and playing really good football. Great stuff. Lots to look forward to, Shep. As always, gentlemen, pleasure chatting. That is where we leave you. Just before we do go, I did mention uh, we had basketball National Cup final tickets to give away. Massive congratulations to Coleman O'Flynn and Rob H., uh, the winners of our competition. Tickets are on the way to you. We will be in touch. Shine out. That is all we have time for. Massive thanks to Damien O'Mara and Laura Lee Davis uh, for working on this evening's show. Better to Silva is up next uh, so do stay tuned to 2FM Marie Crow will be back at 6 o'clock f- tomorrow from all of the Game On team it is bye for now RTE 2FM Game On on 2FM sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash let the confidence last